Ephesians 4, 14 to 16. So that, so that we may know the fullness of Christ. We may no longer be the children tossed, by, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped with each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Amen. May the Lord add his blessings to the word. Amen. This morning, the vessel that the Lord has prepared for us is our own brother, our campus pastor, Reverend Kingsley Kwesi. Let's encourage him. Let's encourage him. Let's encourage him. Let's encourage him. Let's do it. He will be speaking to us. And I want us all to be prepared. Prepare your hearts for the word. Praise the Lord. Father, thank you this morning for the privilege you've given us to come here from you. So we set aside the flesh, we put to death our mortal desires and inclination and ask that, oh God, your word will come in power with simplicity and humility, Lord. You would warm our heart. You would transform our thought. You would save a sinner today. You would bring the backslider home. You would cause us to be real witnesses of your truth in love. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello? Hey. You remember me? Really? No. That was then. Yes. No more Mr. Sita. I am now Mr. Dua. You know, that was at the back of your pieces of advice. So I got involved. Hmm. But you won't believe it. I tried being a quarrister. And I realized that the whole bunch lack talent. They are not serious at all. Look, talk about time. Yeah. And then I got into the drama group. And you know, you know, those people, they think it's all about coming on stage to come and act for people to laugh and clap and, and then they take fans. They don't see it as a ministry. Look, I'm serious. Oh. So I left them. I left them. And I, I joined the ushering department. Look, their leadership is work. There was one eh, who has serious attitude. I questioned it and I was told she suffered from the haircut. And there was one lady. She's so boring and disrespectful. 
Then I questioned again, and I was told her daughter failed the BEC miserably. And I said, so what? So must that affect church and her service? Then I left them. Yes, I left. I decided to be committed to the men's ministry. And oh my God. Look, no vision. No vision. All they know is Kwame Nkrumah's son is graduating, so we have to go and support. And the next time, it is Kweku Menu's dog has died, so we have to contribute. The next time, it is Felix Thompson's cat has delivered, so we have to do some contribution. You see, me, I have to say it too. You can call me uh, Kanewu, but I don't mind. Someone has to say it, and I have to say it forcefully. Look, uh, well, I think I have to go to a meeting, and uh, I'll be late. But next time you are in church, just look for me, because I'm always here. Oh, yes. Look very hard, and you'll find me. If you look real hard, you see I look like you. <laughs> you. <laughs> and you. Oh, bye. Thank you, Mr. Dua. James L. Dua from James L. Sita. Today, my sermon topic is Speak the Truth in Love. So you heard Mr. Dua now is speaking his truth, but I wonder if there is any element of love. That's what we're going to focus on this morning. But let me, preacher, go through our quick things that I love to do. Our theme for the year, if you just join us, as is rooted in Christ. Rooted in Christ Jesus. And this second quarter, we are looking at rooted to transform lives. For five purposes of the church, you can say that we are looking at evangelism, outreach, soul winning. That is our emphasis for the entire quarter. And today, I'm speaking about truth in love. Speaking truth in love. I have gone back to my old slides. And so uh, those who missed me last quarter on this, I would do my four piece today. And it will make sense to you. So today I'm looking at this subject, speaking truth in love and uh, my four piece. I'm going to do a proposition. What does it mean to speak truth in love? Why should we speak truth in love? And then we will talk about how do we speak truth in love? I call that the process and the outcome from speaking truth in love. I have three kills under my outcomes I'll be examining in terms of Christian growth. How many of us remember the preacher from last Sunday? Because I'm building on. So all that we've been doing this year in staying in the book of Ephesians is to help us build on. And like Papa has explained to us, the first three chapters, you know, talks a lot about our wealth, our possession, our identity, who we are in Christ. And then... Uh, so you can talk about your belief as a believer. And then verse 4, chapter 4, 5, and 6, we are looking at how we ought to respond to all that God has done for us. All right? So God has saved us. God has given us uh, his, his Holy Spirit. God has revived us. We are no more sinners. By grace, we've been saved and all that. And he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask him. So what should we do about it? That's why we have stayed in chapter 4 from verse 1, talking about worthy of his calling. And last week we had a very good sermon, the five steps. Any of it you remember? Let me get a bit interactive. I don't want, today morning service is beautiful, the sun is up, but some of us are still having a little cold 
from our rains last night. So let me get to you. Anyone you remember? Stay connected. Thank you. That's one of them. Five steps. I'm building on that. So I want to make sure that you don't forget my sermon. If you forgot the preacher who was so powerful last week, then I'm in trouble. You will forget my before you leave here. That's why I want to stick with four piece. He did five. Anything you remember from last week, stay connected in the body of Christ. And then we talk about small groups. Yeah, chorus, there's a mic there. Please shout it out for me. Support your gifted leaders. Support your gifted leaders, your pastors. How do we support them? And we're going to examine this under this topic. For some of you, you support us by speaking truth, but not in love. and aim to be like him. Seek to know Jesus. In Gaffes we call it, know Christ and make him known. Seek to know Christ and be like him. So we've done about three. Two more. Yes, mommy. Serve with your spiritual giftedness. The last one. Surrender to the Holy Spirit. Can we clap for ourselves? Oh, but, but we have a good church. Oh. Some church, they won't even remember what. But our church will remember all the five points. So today I'm going to imitate that. I'm going to build on a lot of what he said. So preacher, let's go on. Um, can we do the mission together? Can we read the mission? It's just a reminder. Okay, why we come to church? Why you leave uh, all the places we leave in the morning uh, to be here? This is why we come, all right? To exalt God in worship. Can we go on? So you do get a catch. The whole topic for last Sunday was about the mission of the church. Growing towards Christian maturity. So it's right there. Grow towards Christian maturity. So last week, the preacher was just giving us a bit of our mission statement. And five steps you can grow into Christian maturity. And then the last one. Reach out to the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I call that to contribute. To reach out for the gospel of Jesus. And what, what is our vision as a church? What do we see? A vibrant congregation. I call that who we are or the identity to which we seek to be and impacting the world with what? With the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're a member of this church or you are vested in that, this is why we exist and this is where we are going as a church. Anytime a preacher stands to preach, examine if he's helping the church to be on mission and if he's helping the church to keep the vision. Please judge us, examine us and speak truth to us but in love. Amen? That's what we're going to do. So a reflection this morning. I found a pastor of Calvary Baptist Church many years ago. His name is Warren Wispy. And he said this statement. Can we read that together? That's my reflection. Truth. So if you forget a lot of what I said today about my four piece, don't forget this pastor of Calvary Baptist Church. He's one of our own. All right? Many years ago, I think from 1961 to 71. He says... A lot of us speak truth, and we find that in church. But there's no love. Yes, the choir. Yes, the men. Yes, we have all the issues to which we examine, and we want to tell them. We want to tell pastors our mind. How, how long, Pastor Fred, will you take to finish Shiashi? And we say it, but sometimes you ask, so, and so, and how are we saying it? And what part do you think? Is it like Pastor Fred doesn't want to finish this building? So th those are real questions, okay? So you are saying the truth, but in what way? If there's no love, it's brutal. And for church, many of us are caught on this side. The other side is that we want to have love and without the truth. 
That we don't find that a lot in church. Few, few times. But you find that in the world. You find that in the world a lot. People that, oh, we love him. He's my son. I love him. I mean, I can't tell him this truth. It will break him. So let's just let him be. And, but that's also a form of hypocrisy. But let's go on with, with what I have to do today. So James L. Dua has finished his kit and it set us to think for many of us in church how we see the truth and how we communicate it. It, it was a bit funny of the things he said, but sometimes that's how we are. And it says, if you look real hard, perhaps I look like you. So from last week, with all the five steps to Christian maturity, I'm doing my checklist quickly. We've been called and gifted. We find that in chapter four. That how many of us knew Thursday was Ascension Day? Like in Christian calendar. A lot of us, we forgot. Okay. Uh, I think it's one of the important dates in the church calendar. Sometimes we don't make a lot of celebration around it. But like a late day like this, I want to remind you. And you find that in chapter 4, Bible says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts. That's why the Lord said he gave gifts unto men. And then he caused some to be apostles, to be prophets, to be pastors, evangelists, and teachers. So called and gifted, check. And then we spoke about the unity of faith, that we all come into one faith in Christ. That though we may have differences from where we come from, there is a setting level of unity because we have one hope, one father, one baptism. It, it calls us into one faith. And then it talks about the knowledge of the son of God. And then one of the things from last week was that we want to look like Christ. Make know Christ and make him known. Or learn to be like Christ. So the knowledge of the son of God. And then we talk about to a mature man or woman. And please, that's the standard. The standard is not a pastor. The standard is not the prophet. The standard is not any of the gifted people of God. The standard is Jesus. It says to into the fullness. So that maturity of a person is measured is the, into the fullness of Christ. So that is all from last week and I'm building on today. You find that in chapter 4 verse 14. Then it says what will happen after we have come into the fullness of Christ? That's where my starts in verse 14. Today I'm doing three verses, 14, 15, and 16 in Ephesians. And I want to stay true to the text. So he said, then we will no longer be infants. Do you know sometimes people have been in church for 30 years, prof, and they still look like infants. You know, you and me have had this conversation before. You can be in church. In fact, there was one time I said, oh, but prof, this is an older man. Prof said, please, you, somebody can be in church for 40 years and still behave like an infant. Today I found a scripture to support that argument. He said, we will no longer, means that there's a possibility that some of us behave like infants. How do infants behave? They are tossed back and forth by every wave. If there's a prophetic wave, say, I sorry, cry, any prophets, wow, well, it makes this church some way. Then they moved out a bit. And then sometimes when they go and they find that they are charlatans, then they come back quietly and sit. When you ask, oh, Mina, I miss my church. I want to, they don't tell you of how the wave was not too stable. Then they come back. All right? And said so they are blown here and there by every wind of teaching. So there's a teaching, we call it the new age teaching, a new philosophy, a new, and then it feels like my church doesn't have this. Our pastors are not too in depth of a new knowledge. People are teaching about angels these days, almost making it look like angels are even more important than Jesus. And, and I said, wow. 
and, and be able to project it through scriptures. And so the people said, you don't have that. So this is a good teaching. I've been like, come to Calvary, but this is my teacher. Yeah, but Bible, and then he goes on to say, by the cunning and craftiness of people. By the cunning and craftiness. So this is how infants in the Lord behave. You are tossed, they are blown, and then somehow they are deceived by the cunning and craftiness of people. If somebody is an infant, this is what it is. And that's why parents need to protect their infants. And that's why the church is here with a giftedness to help us not to stay infant. It's okay to take milk. But Paul says, how long will you take milk? You have come to a stage where you must deal with real meat and bones. But if you remain an infant, we have to give you milk. But I don't think that is our focus here. That is why for some of us who run from Sunday school, I feel a little bad because in Sunday school, we are moving you from low knowledge, infantile understanding into maturity. So if you don't belong to a group, I beg of you belong. Because though Christianity is very personal, it's never private. It always requires some level of communication and accountability in a small group. So Seafold will offer you that. Small group Bible study will offer you that. And as a church, that's where our connection is. That's why I always go over the mission of the church. Grow into Christian maturity. How? Through discipleship, through small groups. So that's where I would want to end this. And it says, after that, we have dealt with the 14. Then it comes to you and says, instead, speaking truth in love. So what does it really mean? Proposition. What does it really mean? Speaking truth in love is speaking truth in love. But let me break it down with Jesus. Because we, the standard is Jesus. So Jesus will want to speak truth to this three category of people. Very popular story. A rich young ruler come to Jesus and say, look, since I've been a little boy, I've obeyed all the Ten Commandments. What can I do to inherit the kingdom of God? Jesus tell me. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And says, please, rich man, go sell all you have. And give it to the poor and come and follow me. Hey! What kind of truth is this? You look to this rich man. Bible says he's a rich, young, and he's a ruler. He should sell everything, not to invest, but to give it out, and then he should come and follow. And submit, mommy. Means come and follow, means you are submitting. Into, into I mean, that was a hard truth. But Jesus said it out of love. He didn't say it out of arrogance. He didn't say it out of spite. In fact, he says, why do you even call me Lord? All right? It's only one God who is good. Why do you call me good? And, and he looked to him and says, only one thing is needful. This morning, my prayer is that when the word of God comes to you, you, you don't behave like this rich young ruler. Because the Bible says his face fell, literally. I said, Sebio, Sebio, me to Sebio, me to Sebio, me to Sebio, what kind of serious message are you saying it literally like that? Is it literal or is it metaphorical? To go sell all that I have. It's Mark 10, 21. Mark 10, 21. It's all there. I wanted to just capture that scripture because I may come back to it. Because some of us, that's where our real challenge is. Maybe a deacon came to you and shared something. And you look to him and it's like, no, deacon. This is the truth. I know you're saying out of love, but I cannot. So there's no guarantee. So then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Loved him. We, we speak to people 
Truth, when we have loved them, when there's a relationship, when there's a certain understanding and connection, it's not so easy. Today, I'm going to prove some few things I've found. And one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, you will have treasure in heaven. That's first. And then come and take up the cross and follow me. Wow, what, what does that, the next verse says? The man did impact, he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Look, having great possession is not sin. I've had pastors who sometimes will say, oh, if you become rich, you will never go to heaven. Please, it's not scripture. That, let me just show you what is in here. I'm doing exegesis. I'm breaking it down for you quickly. The man's wealth has become his idol, his God. Anything we put in the place of God in our life becomes our God, our idol. God doesn't like it. If your money becomes so great that it becomes what you worship, then your money is preventing you from seeing God. Then you can go to heaven. But for many of you, your money is a tool God is giving you to be a blessing to this church, to your family, to the nation, and to many poor people. So it cannot be wrong to have money. But it is when the money replaces who God is to you. And some of us, sometimes we allow that. You look at how wealthy you are, and you come to the church, and you almost despise everybody. In fact, that's why some rich people can't come to church, because they can't come and sit by a poor person. The perfume will worry you. Some have a hosa perfume. <laughs> and says, how can I come and sit? Why is the auditorium not finished? When you have the air condition, invite me. I'll come to your church. Because I came to your church once. The heat, the weather, no. Then there is an issue. But maybe if you give us just a million Ghana city, maybe we can do some good to this building and then it may be fit for you. And if you want us to create a special seat, unfortunately, we might not be able to create in Calvary Baptist Church, but God will create a space for you in heaven. Amen? Because that's who we are. We don't discriminate. In, in coming to church this morning, I, I saw a lot of things. And Sunday, we have people who sell by the street, people who go to the market, and people who are lawyers, people who are judges, all coming to sit in one place. Hello? But that's who God's church is. And sometimes people get offended by that. But look at this, my proposition. So that is just one of them. The two, I won't spend time on it. But there's this Samaritan uh, woman. And Jesus loved her. In John chapter 4, he sent everybody to go look for food. Then he goes to have this conversation with this woman because it was a midday. And midday, nobody goes to fetch water by the well. But because of her lifestyle, Bible says that she has certain lifestyles. So Jesus will engage her. Can you get me water? Do you know what Jesus was doing? Was building bridges. Finding a way to connect to her. He says, ah, how can you say that you get water when you don't even have? Do you think you are greater than my our father Jacob who drank from this well? All was that was building bridges. Understanding this woman. And then the truth moment come. We have something we call moment of truth. And then he looked to this woman and said, please go and call me your husband. He said, ah, ah. He says, I, I don't have one. He said, you have spoken the truth. See how the truth came? They have established a basis of love and the environment was right. For many of us who met this woman and God has shown you that he has five wives or is sleeping with somebody's husband. You missed it. No, Jesus could have done that. No, sometimes I see the preachers on the street they are preaching truth, but I don't see there's love. No, there's no love. I say, but, and you can hear the, the, the crowd gathered. Straight. Then the husband, they respond. What's the mini sketch? Who came over? Straight. 
I said, hey, if that's how Jesus went about teaching truth. Hello? No, 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 no. That was not it. That was not it. So now he said, for you have had five husbands and the one whom you are is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. See the response from the woman. So the rich young ruler left sorrowful and sad because the truth was too heavy for him to process at that time. But for this woman, he said, the woman said, Sir, I perceive. No, if he had not established love, he says, NTDA, are you the one to come? I know I have five husbands, so what's the issue with you? No, but immediately the conversation changed because the link has been well established. She understands where the woman is. She's actually established that the woman can help her. Jesus didn't go thinking she has all the answers for her. Can you get me water to drink? Jesus has been vulnerable. Jesus is water literally walking, but he's asking somebody to give him water. So much to learn here. Let, let me go my last one. So this is truth. This is how I'm explaining my proposition for you because I sometimes I need examples to be able to break it down. I can tell you truth is truth. All right, but the last one is this woman accusing adultery. And Jesus knew the times that the law says that if a woman is caught or someone is caught, they must be stoned. So he looks to these people and says, okay, you have caught her. Yes, she was caught. But you know, I've always asked, this is a personal question. Can a woman be caught in adultery by herself? So what was the man? You know how culture is sometimes unfair and how oftentimes we mistreat the woman by our culture learnings? I don't think the woman was caught alone. But the men have spared the man to go. He ran. He couldn't chase. But the woman being weak, they have caught her and brought to Jesus to trap. So Jesus looked at them and said, Please examine your heart. If any among you has not sinned, can you take a stone? In fact, I can even give you a stone and be the one to throw the first stone. He waited for a while and Jesus started writing on the floor as if he doesn't know what was going on. Creating space and time. And the woman is there. Because their thought was that Jesus would join in the crowd and sing the chorus, stone her. But Jesus wouldn't do that. But there was a truth. He said, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to a woman, where are your accusers? Which means Jesus didn't join the accusation. So where are your accusers? And number two, has anyone condemned you? So this is the moment of truth. I said, she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. But go and sin no more. Is the message getting it down? So I'll finish with my proposition. This is what truth looks like. Why should we speak the truth in love? How do we speak truth to our men? In love. See, the ultimate, oh yes, and last Friday, to those of you who like to read, I, I, I read, but he taught, there was one particular course to which I had to use his resources, so he came to school to do a presentation when I was in waiting. That's Timothy James Keller. He was a pastor Hope, uh, the Presbyterian Church in New York for a long time. And he started city to city. So he has a lot of insight about multi-site church planting. I visited a church actually in New York. And so Friday, I had the mail that he's going to be with the Lord. And this is one of his quotes I love from a book he wrote. It's an, the book is called Uncommon Ground, Living Faithfully in a World of Difference from Timothy Keller. It's online. Some of you would love to read. I like to recommend. These are good books. It, it can bridge the gaps between our tribals and our racial and our, you know, uh, earning incomes gaps 
All right? He said, if the ultimate goal is to speak the truth in love, I must evaluate my heart. Do, do I love the people I'm engaged with? Now, this is a question we must all ask. A pastor in Calvary Baptist Church, you need to ask yourself, do I really love these people I'm pastoring? Deacon, do I really love the people within my area? It's a question, and if, if you can't find answer, you need to talk to God today. Do I really love my children? Do I love the people God plays? All right? Do I love the people I'm engaged with? Do I long to see them flourishing in the Lord? Or do I simply wish to be right? A husband having an argument with a wife. Ask yourself this, the level of argument and the conversation. Do I really love my spouse? Oh, I just want to prove her that I'm right and she's wrong. Many of our marital arguments are around this area. Sometimes the issue is there. He said, me, I'm a man of truth. I speak truth. Nothing but the truth. But do you speak it in love? So it's true. You can correct your children. It's true. They've done what is wrong. And your wife said, take your time. Let's understand what happened. Say, no, woman, you can't tell me how to run my house. I am the man of this house. And I want to speak the truth and nothing but the truth. And you cannot corrupt my truth. Hey, Papa, we know you have the truth. But today we are asking, can you do it in love? This is what Timothy says to us. Do I long to see them flourishing? Do you want the kids to do? You know some of you, why your children can't speak with you? They know you have the truth, but there's no love. They would rather to confide in an uncle, sometimes with friends, and sometimes with their peers. Because for there, sometimes they find that at least they understood. Their peers loved them. Even though they might not always tell them the truth. But that's where it is. If they have said something hateful, am I working towards forgiveness? So Timothy challenged us to reflect this morning on the message like this. We know you have the truth. We know what you're saying is right. But are you doing it in love? No, it's very easy to criticize Calvary Baptist Church. We are not a perfect church. And I know a lot of us speak around the dining table. Sometimes we hear the conversation from your children. The things they say about us. Me like somebody who comes, hey pastor, what have you done to these people? Said me. Hey, the things I heard saying, it's not good. Oh. I said, okay, we'll be praying about them. Said, oh no, are you not worried? Said, worried about what? Maybe they are speaking the truth, but is it in love? Hello? So this is why we speak the truth. We grow to become in every respect mature body. So verse 15b, it says that, when we speak the truth in love, why? That we will grow to become in every respect mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. It's a Christ-like balance of truth and love. I've already established that in my proposition. This is why we must speak it. Because it helps us to reach a balance. Where love is not overemphasized over truth, where truth is not overemphasized over love. But that the balance. Alright? So the challenge is that we are like scalar quantities. This is what I love. Maybe I can stay here a minute to preach. My time is almost up though. But it, listen to this. Mathematics, scalar. We have magnitude, but we don't have direction. Okay, so let me break that down. See, we ought to become like vectors. So I'm taking you to your O-level maths. Those of you older here. And the young people, your core maths. What, what you did in BEC and SSC. Core maths, vector. All right, what, did I, what do I mean? A lot of us know the truth from the word. But sometimes you ask yourself, are you spirit-led? These days, in the last one month, it's been all over the news, being discussed about artificial intelligence. You know, most uh, uh, robots 
have data. They can analyze things and get things done. But those are magnitudes. Those are, are one side of the equation. They lack empathy. Because they don't have it. They love, they don't have love. Robots don't have. So we are talking about supernatural intelligence. Let your kids know that beyond artificial intelligence, it's a supernatural intelligence. Know as an HR manager, know as a CEO, that there is a level where you must invest in the people with this understanding. Yes, we need artificial intelligence. I'm not against it. In fact, I use chat GPT. It helps to organize thoughts. Even for preaching, I, I, I use that. I, I get all the people who have preached on a similar sermon in the last 100 years and they can pull out things for me and read to reflect and pray to find which truth fits what God is telling me. You can't behave like you live in an island, you don't know what's going on. So the point is we need artificial intelligence, but we also need believers. Believers, we need supernatural intelligence. So while we have the truth, can we ask the Spirit of God? The fruit of the Spirit is love. To help us to be able to navigate our truth. That is what I call supernatural intelligence. Don't just rely on what the computer says. But what about what the Lord is telling you? How you feel? What is the timing? Alright, so that's what I call my SI. So if you're AI, we can talk about SI in church. Can we go, why? Why should we do this? Alright, for the sake of souls, 15B. So most of us have natural inclination either to just love someone and not want to tell them the hard truth. Or just blast someone with the truth without really caring for them. And sometimes many unbelievers feel this way. That we go to them with the truth, but they don't feel that we care about them. And sometimes people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. This is really where the message is, right? So, so think about it. Both are wrong. To love people so much that you can't tell them the truth. Look, there are a lot of LGBT around us. Some come to our church, okay? And have hard letters to me, personally. And sometimes I talk to some of these young people and we engage and you get to know that they've never had validation even in themselves as who they are. And so somebody out validates them and they feel the person care more about them than their own parent. I've had parents call me. I've had people talk to me. I'm not talking when I was in the US, in Ghana, Ghana here. No, they are not far, they are here. And sometimes it's our approach to understand what they're dealing with. A lot of them are confused. A lot of them have been lied to. But your love in speaking truth to them we are never going to say gay is good. No. But beyond telling them God made man in image of himself, male and female, what else do we get to understand the issues they are dealing with? Legislature have a part to do. They will do what they do. But we know that the laws don't change people. At least from Moses, we know. The laws don't change. Laws bring guidance. But the truth where a change comes is about our interaction and how we build the bridges. So if your child ever comes to you that I'm feeling this way, please be patient. Those are not in my house. Over my dead body. Get out of my presence. Please, you've missed that child. You have the truth, but there's no love. You've missed it. You, you've lost the child. Please. So our real challenge in soul winning and personal evangelism is basically put ourselves into where people are. Look at the three examples I gave to you. Jesus said we're dealing with a rich young woman. He was dealing with a woman, a Samaritan woman, and then he's dealing with a woman caught in adultery. Look at the approach. Many of us will not have the patience to empathize with the woman that I do not condemn you. In fact, most of us will condemn before we say, okay, what can I do for you now? After you've condemned the <laughs> uh, Let me finish my sermon. Process, how do we speak truth? From verse 16, part one says, from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. So what happened is that 
we build strong bridges to others. All through this, I keep emphasizing that to love people is to be in their space, to empathize, to put yourself in there, to understand what they are dealing with, all right? We have to end trust of outsiders. Look, I've been to certain parties from members of this church. And sometimes I look at it and I say, wow, it's, it's possible to connect with these people and, and through ending trust, you can speak truth to their marriages. Many of us want to speak truth to people marriage, we haven't earned the right to. So they hear us, but they don't take us serious. Am I communicating? Family life, we need to earn trust. Even if the person, maybe the woman is a believer, the man is not. How do we make sure that somehow we can build the bridges? This is how we speak the truth. We must be interested in them. We must be interested in their anniversary. We must be interested in their jobs. Whatever they are dealing with, we should be able to come into that space. This is how we speak the truth. This is the place of vulnerability. So Paul will say this. I'm wrapping up. Paul says this, okay? To the, the people in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, to the Jew, I became like a Jew. And to the Gentile, I. So that somehow in between, I may be able to win some. This topic looks like discipleship topic. But embedded is a strong evangelism message. Speaking the truth in love. So Paul says that in, so think about it once they find a scripture. Sometimes we find ourselves in an office space. We see things people are doing are not right. But sometimes the people feel we are far away. So they talk about you and them. Until people can feel that together we are in this space. And we are battling with issues of corruption. We are battling with issues of infidelity. We are battling with these issues right at the office. Sometimes we see it. Office romance. And it bothers you. So when you are coming, everybody stays. So far, so far. But it doesn't change them. Have you thought about it? Perhaps you may need to come from the horses down a bit. Be in their space to know what are the issues happening in their home. Why they think that they will choose an office romance. Or a boss will deal with a national service person. Or a secretary than dealing with a wife. If perhaps we get into that, he said, for though I am a free from all men, I have made myself a servant of all. Sometimes to be able to earn the right to speak truth, you become a servant too. Not because you're a servant, but you have to. Hello? Winning people at all costs in speaking, it requires patience and a lot of humility. A servant cannot have a horse up. It needs to be low. That I might win the more. And this is Paul. He said, and to the Jews, I became a Jew. This is really where it comes. Putting yourself into it. This is the process. This is how we speak truth in love. We don't come and say, Mr. Akura, Atakura, I think you are this, this, and that. No, 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 no. You need to be able to understand his space. To talk to him. To, to know. And sometimes that's what Mr. Sita was trying to help. Mr. Dua today. You come to the choir, you only see the problems. But you don't know their sacrifices. Some of them are here twice a week beyond Wednesday service. And beyond, they, they come for rehearsals on Thursday, they are rehearsals on Saturday. And sometimes they stay longer hours than many of us. But maybe on Sunday morning, they didn't show up early and you were angry sitting. Look at the choir. Look at them. And say they are singing for us. Please, you don't even know where they live. You don't know what some of them, their personal struggles are. And what's the last time you call one of them, say, how is life? How is work? No, some of them have been out of job for years. You don't have an idea. And sometimes even finding money to take trust, the church doesn't give them. I'm not saying the church should give them. But sometimes it is easy to look at the outward and say, Charlie Choir, you are not trying. But do they know your story? Yeah. Amen. But these are genuine things. Sometimes we don't see somebody in church. 
And now we say, I don't know sorry. What backslide you You don't fear God. Hey, madam, I know you fear God, but can you take your time and put yourself in that space? Please, can we go to my slide? I'm doing what should come out of all this if we get the process right. Okay, so Tim has one word here. Today I'm, I'm doing my own memorial sermon for Reverend Dr. Tim Keller. He's a good man. You should get some of his book to read. Jesus doesn't tell us to tolerate our enemies. He says to love them. And thank God that Jesus does not merely tolerate us. He embraces us across difference and welcomes us into his arms. I, I challenge every man here who is concerned about a young person going wayward. Before, from now to Christmas, try every man to invite one young man to a coffee, we don't even do, to chocolate, to dinner, to lunch, to somewhere for a conversation and begin to understand what is the issues they are dealing with. Sometimes if we don't come down a bit to be in their space, it will be, it will be a very good place to speak the truth, speak the truth, but it won't change anything. And say, Jesus wants us to embrace even those we call our enemies. That's what I said, love your enemies. Love your difficult boss. I know it's not a good Sunday sermon. Love them, even if they don't pay you well. Respect them. Because that's how we speak truth in love. What should come? Three things I'm challenging the church this morning. That if we begin to understand what truth is, how love is, and we understand why we should do it, and how we do this, by speaking truth in love. Three things must come. The first one is that, there will be a holistic growth of the church. It's an outcome. And you find that in verse 16d. It says, from him the whole body grows and builds itself up in love. As each part does its work. This is my last verse in chapter 16. Number two, holistic edification of the church. So when I talk about a holistic growth, I'm looking at quantity. All the spaces within us, all the empty seats, if we start to do well, it should be filled. Because this time, when you see the guy you want to bring to church, he feels you care about him. You just don't want to bring him to church because you want your church to grow, but because you care about them. You know why sometimes we do Friends Day, people don't show up? It's like the whole year he didn't talk to me, but when it's Friends Day, you brought me a card. You don't check on me how I'm doing, but you brought me a card to invite to church because you think I'm the worst sinner. Because I don't go to church, so I need to come to your church. But we catch any one cancel member. I won't come. Mba, mba. Holistic growth. That is quantity. We find in that same verse a holistic edification of the church. That is quality growth. Quality. So we can grow enormous, but we might not grow in edification. All right. So we're growing enormous, and we're growing also in quality, quality relationships, quality time with God understanding of scripture, right application of the word of God, it brings edification, it edifies us. And then the third one we see there is that each member does its part. I call that the quota. So we have quantity, we have quality, and we have your quota. Quota is what you have to do. You know, sometimes it's easy to sit and say, the pastors don't have vision. Even the deacons, I see them, I don't even know what they are doing. It's very easy to sit and talk about things. And it's true, maybe you don't see what we are doing. But if you started to do your part, maybe if you just started honoring the Lord by breaking your tithe, if every member in this church started doing their part, oh, I'm not saying do more than just your part of honoring God with your tithe, coming to Wednesday, or if even you can't come to Wednesday, can meet the King James, I tell you, this is my welfare offering. 
Because every Wednesday, the offering we take goes into welfare. And all of you here say, this church, they don't care about people. Oh, they don't care. But what was the last time you gave a welfare offering? By you, your part, your part. It's easy to see what others are not doing. So what's a response? Two responses I'm hoping that this morning we can have. Can we repent of how we have interacted with each other? Look, I have said a lot of truth without love. I know it. When I was going through this sermon, I felt my weakness, my sins. It was before me. And others have pointed to me. Sometimes we are on the side of truth. On side of truth. You know, and somebody's come, Pastor, don't you know what this girl is doing? And then I call, hey, how can you do that? I, I didn't even take time to understand. And the lady says, and so I've stopped church. Me and Babu, what can you do? Are you going to force me to come to church? If I found a church around my area, I'm going to that church now. I said, oh, is that so? You, you will perish in your sins. Now you're there. You tell somebody you're perishing, say, as if you are Jesus. You are the one who died for her. You know, sometimes we, we arrogate a lot of power to us because of our spiritual maturity. But today, I'm begging you, can we repent? I want you to repent. I'm repent. I have started repenting since I started doing this. Sermon. I said, Lord, forgive me. There are many times, even with, within me and my wife, I've spoken to, I told her, I will not play around with words. All those things, so that is me. Today, it's a healing room. I'm telling you, I have sinned. This message is for me. I don't know about you. But that's why I start with repentance. Number two. So when you are repenting, think of two things. How brutal you have been and how hypocrite you have been. And I said, oftentimes in church, we are more brutal than hypocrites. We know the truth, but there's no love. Few times we love people and we don't tell them the truth. That's why we are hypocrites. If we can repent on these two items. And number two is, how can I do my part? That one is individual question. Your prayer time. How is your personal prayer time going? That's your quota. Because if you are not praying, you are going to act as a robot, artificial intelligence. You need a spirit-led life. And it comes through daily prayer, not Sunday prayer. How is your fasting life going? A person who waits till church calls for fasting, that person is in trouble. You need to have your own personal schedule of fasting. Once a week, twice a week, three times, whatever works for you. Even if it's 6 to 12, you need some time you don't eat. It is a truth, but I want to say it in love. Hello? Bible studies. Do you wait till Sunday before you come and do Bible study in church? And when you finish, you throw the book into your car. You don't look at it till another Sunday. Hey, babe, Bible study. Now you can even do Bible study with your phone. Caring for people. Loving people. Witnessing to others. And then my last is giving to church. We are in May. If for the last four months you haven't brought your tithe, can we do something about it? Can you talk to a deacon? Can you talk to a pastor? Charlie, I'm really going through something. I need prayer. I need help. The money comes, so pastor, it's not, I'm not saying I don't get paid. But before I put the expenses down, can you help me to work on? I mean, let's be open with one another. This is where I end my sermon. Can we bow our heads in prayer? I just want to ask to quickly respond to this word. Wherever you are seated, I don't know how convicted you are, but even as I preach again, I feel convicted again. In many times, I have spoken truth to people without love. And in some cases, because I respected the people so much, with a lot of love, I couldn't even speak the truth to them. 
I let it slide. I said, oh, this is a big man. This one, he knows what to do. I am not the one to go and say it. It's too obvious. But the Spirit of God convicted me. So can we take our hymn? And uh, we just want to pray wherever you are. As we, the hymn comes, we're going to do. And please, today if you have not made a decision to follow Jesus, I am appealing to you. You, you can't do this speaking truth in love by yourself. Because the standard is Jesus. It is he who has the balance. Let us pray. Our Lord and Master Jesus, we thank you again for bringing us into your house. We have come to worship you with our tithes, our offering, our ushering, our singing, our prayers, and our giving and all that we have done to glorify your name. Thank you above all for your word that has been broken to us to search us and to cause us to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We thank you. We ask that even as we break down into groups to do this exercise to further enhance and sharpen our ministry skills as a church. See us through and may the truth come out to help us. Now dismiss us with your love and your power. And therefore, beloved, the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May his love overflow through your heart in love, mercy, and in power now and always. Amen. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy would follow you all the days of your life. Dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.